0: Hey there I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like hey there Java junkies what is up hope you are having a wonderful day whether you're walking to class or biking or sitting down at the desk getting ready to uh, to work and would prefer to listen to a little podcast I uh, have to admit I'm enjoying one of the Best coffees that I have ever had. I discovered it when I was up in Western Mass recently. It's called Number Six Depot Notes from the Underground. You can order it online if you're interested. I want to know what your favorite caffeinated brew is. So tweet me at Time for Coffee LLC and let me know because it is time for yet another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest today is sure to become one of your T4C favorites. Fatima Doman is the founder and CEO of Authentic Selves Advantage. She's also a best-selling author and an executive coach who has motivated audiences across five continents. Fatima is also one of the most influential voices in engagement, well-being, and positive change, which is what we want to talk about today. She is passionate about empowering people to achieve sustainable high performance at work, and in their lives. And as you'll hear, Fatima's life was certainly affected, if not profoundly affected, by an early childhood experience when she fled what was then war-torn Angola in Southwest Africa and moved with her family to the U.S. as a refugee when she was just three years old. Fatima Doman, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go?
1: Well, I've had my green tea for the day, and yes, I'm delighted to be on your show.
0: There is a little caffeine in green tea isn't there?
1: There is, and a lot of (laughs) antioxidants. Well, there you go, Java junkies. You've got
0: another health tip from Fatima Doman. Um, Fatima, I want to start at the beginning of your life. And what I imagine must have been, at the very least, a very challenging and stressful experience for a young child to have to suddenly leave everything that she'd known in life and move to a new country with a new culture, new language, Knew everything. Would you please explain to the Java Junkie community what being a refugee did in terms of affecting your life and what you're doing today?
1: Well, like you said, it was a very stressful, challenging time for me and my family. And as a small child of three, and then growing up in this country in the wake of all of that, um, there's there's always this challenge of feeling uh, just unsure. Um, there's there's the sense of fear that that kind of pervades to you after you've been through an experience like that. And growing up, I remember my parents would come home just exhausted. They didn't speak the language when we came to the States. So my father found work as a um, uh, milking cows on a dairy in California. And my mother found work in a cannery canning tomatoes. And they'd come home exhausted. And my mom, I remember coming in with her hard hat still on. And she'd say things like, did did you do your homework? Let me check it. Um, I want you to have a better life than, than what we've had. And she knew that education was really the key. But there was also, like I said, this sense of pervading fear or stress or anxiety. And I would sometimes hear her mu- mu- you know, mutter under her breath things like, I can which means, oh, what misery. And I remember growing up thinking, I want it to be better for me. And I want to help other people make it better for them as well. So I gravitated toward things that are very positive, And eventually that led me to the field of positive psychology. Well,
0: let me ask you about when you were younger, because our Java junkie community are mostly 18 to 25 year olds. How did you deal with your stress? when you were younger?
1: So one of the main things that I did was look for resources. And I would advise, I'm a coach as well, and I would advise anybody that I coach to really think through all of the resources that they have at their disposal. There's so many things that people can do really for themselves if they just open up that level of inquiry. Um, So there's a field called appreciative inquiry, which is part of positive psychology that shows that when we have a solution focus, when we're looking for things to solve the situation that that list obviously expands versus just focusing on all of the issues at hand, focusing on all of the problems at hand, then those problems seem to amplify Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. So it's very important to decide where you choose to focus your time and energy. So Fatima, how did you deal with
0: you know, being a student, like our Java junkie community, many of them today juggling studies, some of them are working to put themselves through school, the stress of all of that. What was that like for you and, and how did you
1: handle it? Absolutely. It really can be exhausting and, and and overwhelming. And I think one of the main things that I did was use one of my strengths, my top strengths, which is love of learning. I I focused on finding solutions, on finding resources. So I would read anything I got my hands on, you know, self-help books and things like that, that were rooted in in research. I'm kind of a research junkie as well. And I wanted to try solutions that I knew had worked for other people. So another thing that I think really got me through was my spirituality. So not religiosity, but spirituality, meaning my connection with something higher, um, with a something of great meaning and purpose for me. So I I would I would connect with that sense of what kind of future am I trying to build for myself and also how can I give back to others? And that, that sincerely fueled me as I, um, you know, moved past those challenging years of, you know, being exhausted, working full time, going to school full time. But I also drew great energy from the challenge of it all. You know, it felt like a, an adventure for me. I was transforming my life. I'm the first person in my family history to attend university. So that was, That's that amazing. was, yeah, it was quite an, an, a challenging and yet exciting time for me. I knew I was breaking new ground and I didn't want to let others down either. Well, you have
0: dedicated quite literally your life to helping people of all ages learn to tap into their unique strengths. And we're going to get to that in a moment, how they can do so to increase their energy, their happiness, their life satisfaction, resilience. But first, would you please explain to the Java Junkie community what positive psychology is and when it began?
1: Of course. So it's been around for about 20 years and a group of the world's most elite psychologists under the stewardship of Dr. Martin Seligman, who's known as father of positive psychology, they came together and they spent three years cataloging what are called human virtues and strengths. And the reason that they did this was because they felt there needed to be a counterbalance to the DSM. And for those of you who have studied psychology, you probably know what the DSM is. And that catalogs human disorders and mental disorders and diseases. And these psychologists felt that there's a place for that. But there needed to be a counterbalance that there needed to be a science all around studying human flourishing, people's strengths and virtues. And today, uh, this has been studied in every country. To some degree, people from every country on the planet have accessed the inventory and discovered their strengths profile. And that's almost 7 million people now.
0: When you learned that this type of information was out there, did you just feel a total connection to it immediately?
1: I did. It's like my spirit resonated with it immediately because I could see the power of this significant shift. Just imagine that you know, you're know you raised seeing people focusing on what's wrong, on weaknesses, on problems, right? And imagine that empowering shift of moving to focusing on what's strong instead, on strengths, on human character, Uh, what makes us our best selves. So it spoke to me immediately. So
0: explain to our Java junkies how they can discover their unique strengths profile.
1: So they can log on at Authentic Strengths, and that's plural, AuthenticStrengths.com. And at the bottom of the landing page, you'll see a button that says take free strengths survey. It only takes you about 10 minutes. And at the end of the 10 minutes, you'll you'll be asked to answer many questions. At the end of that survey, it will give you a free two-page report of your own unique character strengths profile.
0: And then what can they do with that?
1: Well, they can use that in all sorts of areas at work and in life. And actually, hundreds of studies have now shown that when people first discover their character strengths profile, and then when they learn strategies on how to use their top strengths consistently, that engagement, energy, resilience go up, achievement goes up. So this is something that will really help you in what you're doing with your academic career, also in planning your future work-life career. Um, This is something that I think is essential for anyone who's really interested in personal growth and development.
0: And there's a science behind this, right?
1: There is. So as I mentioned previously, um, the science has been around for about 20 years. And so there's actually, it's called positive psychology, but then there are offshoots within positive psychology. There's the science of studying human character. There's the science of appreciative inquiry. What kind of questions do you ask yourself and do you ask others? So there's the, the science of grit and resiliency. Um, there are many people out there studying all of these concepts which are under the umbrella of positive psychology.
0: Now, it's my understanding, and I've done a little bit of reading about this, but that there are 24
1: different character strengths that you can have. Absolutely. So the character strengths are things like, you know, curiosity, bravery, perseverance, honesty, zest, leadership, teamwork, humility, prudence, hope, humor, spirituality. Those are just some of the 24 character strengths. And scientists have discovered how to measure these quite accurately, really, within human beings using this survey that um, has been validated with, like I said earlier, hundreds of global research studies now.
0: And then what does it matter if you only have a couple of those 24 strengths? How how can you kind of quantify which strengths are the better ones to have or which ones you want to work on? Or am I just
1: in the wrong mindset? You know, that's an excellent question. And I, I'm sure that the Java junkies listening probably have that same question. So every human being is born with the capacity to express all 24 of these characters strengths. And people express different character strengths in different to different degrees. So when you fill out your strengths survey, it will list your top strengths at the top. We call those signature strengths because it's like your fingerprint, your signature in life. Those are the strengths that just come naturally to you. They feel so authentic to you like breathing, right? And then as you go down the list to your lesser strengths, those might be the strengths that you tend to express less frequently that might be not as comfortable for you and might not be as energy producing for you as your top strengths. So all 20 strengths are equally valid and equally important. There isn't one strength that's more important than another. But the way that human beings express these strengths is what defines their psychological uniqueness
0: why is it so important to frame everything in a positive light as opposed to saying which i think is more ubiquitous in in our society you know i've got these things that i do really well and i suck at math or you know i'm i'm kind of shy i'm not really a people person what is the importance of Using the positive frame,
1: so the positive frame is is truly significant. And I mentioned the science of appreciative inquiry earlier, and there's a lot of research that shows when we have a solution focus, that we open up a completely different trajectory in solving the problem. I'm, the solutions become more numerous rather than the weight of focusing on the problem, you know, kind of holding us back from our creativity. So a solution focus opens up more creativity, more energy and engagement. So that's that's one of the key differences.
0: Could you give an example maybe in your own life of something that you would say is one of the lesser strengths that you have and how you Um, move through your life using the positive approach and the positive thinking?
1: Sure. So when I was writing my book, I've now written two books, but both times that I've been working on these book projects, it's been difficult for me because I've had to use some of my lesser strengths. My top strengths are things like gratitude, social intelligence. I really enjoy working with other people. And in the, in the book writing process, as you can imagine, you spend a lot of hours by yourself pouring over data and research and, and going over the manuscript, crossing every T, dotting every I. And a lot of prudence has to be used in this process. Prudence is one of my lower strengths. So I found myself having to really pull that strength forward. And we call that a situational strength. It's a strength that you can call upon when you really need to use it, but it doesn't necessarily really energize you. It just gets the job done for you, right? So that's prudence for me. But then I found a workaround inviting other people to collaborate with me on certain elements of projects that would go into my books. So I was energized by that human interaction. That's what I was really missing from all those solitary hours at my desk. And I found myself wanting to conduct more interviews and more anecdotal information in my books based on these interviews with other people. And then whenever I was studying research, I would try to reach out to the researcher themselves and develop a human connection with them and not just, you know, read about them, but meet them and interview them and use that information in my books. And that brought new life to my project of book writing that wasn't there before. So bringing in my social intelligence was huge for me.
0: So speaking personally, I'm definitely more of a right brain person, more of like the creative and I haven't done, I haven't gone online and I'm going to be doing that probably as soon as I finish our interview to check things out, what my authentic strengths are. But one of the areas that I would call for sure a lesser strength is the ability to organize and just think in a linear fashion. How can you help me, Fatima, in the way that I think about that? Because I definitely see that as uh, an area that I would call weakness. How can I turn that around and think of it as a lesser strength.
1: So it's interesting, you know, that you talk about seeing it as a weakness and it's, you know, one of your lower strengths. I have coached people to build targeted lesser strengths for some specific needs. Sometimes people just get to a point in their life where they say, you know what, I am ready to build this particular strength that, that I feel um, would really enhance my quality of life. So one person I coach had perseverance dead last in their list character strengths and very high was curiosity. So this person was always, and creativity was really high too, always starting new projects, would get really energized with them, but wouldn't really finish them because perseverance was dead last for them. So we worked on using, finding creative and fun ways to raise their perseverance. So using, you know, things like curiosity and creativity, some of their top strengths and also kind. Kindness was one of their top strengths. So this person actually connected the strength of kindness to perseverance and They would use that strength of kindness to fuel their perseverance, meaning that, you know, if they were working on a project, they would stop and think about who it would impact in a positive way and how they could help others with that particular project. And then that in turn fueled their desire to stick with the project and finish it. So it was bigger than just doing something for themselves because they were bringing in their top strength, one of their top strengths of kindness. Does that make sense? It
0: does. I love that. I love that. I'm going to start weaving that into my uh, lesser strengths. So now the, the $6 million question here, how can our Java junkies leverage their character strengths for greater uh, resilience, energy, achievement, and overall
1: fulfillment. So one of the things that we know from the research on character strengths is that it creates this sense of passion in people. It really does elevate all of their other skills. When you're in college, Java junkies, you know, you're really looking at, you know, what's my skill set? What do I do well, right? Well, you might also want to balance that with asking yourself the question, what do I I care to do well? Where's my passion? Because these character strengths really speak to that. They speak to your authenticity as a person, what it is that really turns you on, that you're really passionate about. So Let's say that you're you have a great skill at computers or technology and you just feel very adept at that. However, some of your top character strengths might be teamwork. So or teamwork. And let's let's choose one more. Maybe um, maybe even kindness. Or love. I mean, I've I've worked with some of the world's top CEOs that those are some of their top strengths. So what if you were able to combine those strengths to connect with your focus in technology? What if you were to intentionally create opportunities for yourself to work in team environments and to use your love as you created new ways to use technology? Um, How would that elevate your work? So maybe it's your love of a company or it's your love um, for the people with whom you work, or maybe it's your love of the technology that you're working with, but you're tapping into that strength that fuels, that elevates the skill that you're using. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. Fatima, you also talk
0: about spotting strengths in others. Why is that important?
1: Well, it elevates, again, I love the word elevate, it elevates the relationship. So this sense of appreciating strengths, not only in yourself, but in others, really helps people to feel seen for who they really are and also gives everyone permission to bring their authentic selves to work. The way to spot strengths in others, you'll notice that when people are talking about things that really matter to them, that they're passionate about, that connect to their core, of who they are, that's most likely a character strength-based display of, you know, what it is that they love doing or how they love to be and interact with others. So when you're spotting strengths in people, for example, you might see someone who's displaying elements of leadership and you'll just see them brighten up when they're asked to lead a project. You'll see them stand up taller. Their their language will become faster. They'll speak faster. Their, their tone of voice will become more are clear, their eyes will light up, you'll see all of these verbal and nonverbal cues that this person is using one of their character strengths. Pay attention to that. And when you see that happen in others, if you're in any type of a decision-making position or leadership position at some point, you probably want to create the conditions for that person to do more of that type of work or engage more in that way. So that's spotting strengths in someone else. And you also probably be wise to really honor those strengths that you see come up in that person. For example, I mentioned earlier, gratitude is my number one strength. So I gave a friend a gift one time. And instead of saying thank you and really being grateful for the gift, she just kind of said thanks and threw it in the back of her car and off we (laughs) went on a hike. And I thought, who does that? Like Gratitude is so important to me. I would never just casually say thanks and throw a gift in my car. But Gratitude was probably very low on her list of strengths as being a priority. So that's what we call a strength collision. A strength that I valued very highly was not as valued by someone else that I was relating to, that I was interacting with. And that can create problems in relationships. And I think that it's very important for people to understand one another's strengths so that you can avoid those strengths collisions so that instead you can experience what strengths collaboration or strengths synergy. So valuing the strengths in others, seeing them in others. Let me give you another work example. You might have someone on a team who is really high in zest and bravery and creativity and they are just creating new products and they're so excited about taking them to market and they're just like let's go go go. And then you might have someone on the team who's very high in prudence who says, "Hey, wait a minute. Have we really finished our, you know, R&D? Have we really thought through how we're going to market this?" And this person may get on the nerves of the person who's high in zest and bravery because they see them as a naysayer, someone that's always dragging their feet on projects. But in reality, both of these approaches are very valuable to each other. The person with high prudence needs someone with zest and bravery and creativity, perhaps, to balance them out. And the person who's high in zest and bravery may need that prudent person to make sure that they don't run into roadblocks down the road that they hadn't planned for because they were so excited just to be in the creation mode. So we need synergistic teams like this. And then we also need to value those unique strengths in each other. And that to me is really the essence of healthy, satisfying, mutually beneficial relationships.
0: That's so helpful, Fatima. I just want to ask you one more question about authentic strengths about your book. You talk about the shadow side of strengths. What
1: what do you mean by that and and can you give us an example? Of course. So, the shadow side of strengths is when you either underuse a strength or overuse a strength. So, for example, the strength of creativity, underuse of that strength would be conformity and over use of that strength might be eccentricity. Uh, Let's take the strength of fairness. Overuse of that strength of fairness might be detachment, right? And underuse might be partisanship, let's look at the strength of leadership overuse of leadership might be being overly authoritarian and underuse of leadership might be being compliant so the the strength itself expressed optimally tends to get great results but when we o- underuse or overuse the strength we can end up with problems and people tend to overuse their top strengths. And you've probably heard the, I believe it's a Japanese proverb, "Who he who is good with a hammer comes to think that everything is a nail." <laughs> so, I've definitely heard that. So people who are really good at certain strengths, they become their go-to strengths, and they sometimes put blinders on and think that that's the only way to approach life or work. And in reality, there are many different ways that we can be effective in life and work, and all of the strengths are equally valid. So the key is to learn how to optimally express your strengths, even your top strengths, and to be aware when you're tending to overuse them. So my own personal example, I mentioned earlier that gratitude is my top strength. So overuse of gratitude is ingratiation, which means just being overly grateful for everything. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. And one of the problems with overusing gratitude, when you're in that ingratiation kind of mindset is taking on too much work. I have had times in my life where I was using gratitude in excess and accepting more work than I was able to produce. It put me in a period of high stress, being out of balance, overly worked, taxed and tired. So I have learned to moderate my top strength of gratitude and to really be aware when I'm overusing it so that I can reap the benefits from using it optimally rather than the, you know, the potential problems of overusing it or underusing it. Does that make sense? It absolutely
0: does. And I'm sure, you know, when our Java junkies buy and read authentic strengths, they'll be able to get a whole lot more out of this. My final time for coffee question, Fatima, has to do with sort of where we are right now in this day and age with the ubiquity of smartphones and, you know, whether it's your Instagram feed or your Facebook posts and the the images of seemingly perfect lives being everywhere, the perfect bodies, perfect hair, perfect students, everyone with the perfect job. How can Java junkies silence their inclination to have an inner critic and instead give voice to their inner coach?
1: Wow, I love this as your concluding question because this is something I feel really passionate about. As a matter of fact, this morning I was just finalizing a video that we're going to be posting on YouTube called Comparanoia. So Comparanoia, is kind of, it kind of, you know, really hits the nail on the head with, with what you're talking about, meaning that, you know, we can become so obsessed, especially with social media and everybody's lives look so perfect perfect on social media. They only post, uh, you know, primarily the good, and the vacations and the perfect pictures, and we don't see all of the rest that really makes up a whole and authentic life, right? So, how do we overcome this tendency toward comparison and it's becoming more and more pervasive with our modern, you know, technology-driven society? And the key, I believe, one of the the keys is to silence that inner critic, give voice to your inner coach. So, how do you give voice to your inner coach? And how do you silence your inner critic? Well, first of all, silencing the inner critic is about becoming aware of your negative self-talk and becoming aware of how you react to that negative self-talk. So I teach my clients to really pay attention to their physiological responses. And often I'll have them do an exercise where I'll put words up on a screen, things like weakness focus, problem oriented, know it already, you know, terms like that, that are very inner critic sounding. And they pay attention to their inner workings, to their physiology. And a lot of people say, you know, I could notice my neck tenses up when I go to that inner critic language, or my stomach tightens, and or, you know, I feel my breathing become shallow. And they start to notice their physiological responses to negative self-talk. And in the extreme, I actually coached an executive at one point who told me that she would yell at herself in the mirror and say, that was so stupid. Oh. I can't believe he said that meeting. So people really do they can amplify their inner critic to the point that it it can paralyze some people. So becoming aware of it, becoming becoming aware of the physiology, and then talking to yourself in very objective terms, bringing objectivity into it and saying, no, I don't always do that. I may have made a comment that I would prefer to have phrased differently, but I can correct that next time in the next meeting or even send out an email that helps to correct that perception. So it's more objective thinking that I can help silence that inner critic. And there are many more tools in the book as well that I suggest for silencing the inner critic. Then How do we give voice to the inner coach? And one of the key elements that I believe gives voice to the inner coach is becoming familiar with our own top character strengths, becoming familiar with what it is that we feel make up our best self. So I often have my coaching clients do an activity that's called best self, where they think through an event, a time in their life where they accomplished something that they felt was really significant or that they feel really good about. What were the elements in that best self experience? And as they describe the experience, I watch for their character strengths. I listen for their character strengths. And every single time, I see people, when they're talking about their best self-experience, I see their top strengths. And even before seeing their results, their, their strengths inventory result, I can most often name those top strengths just by listening to their best self-experience. That's how pervasive they are when we're living our best life. So what if we can pattern after that? What if we can learn to consistently silence the inner critic by speaking objectively with ourselves and calling out when we're, you know, catastrophizing or using always language and he never does this or I never do that. What if we were to catch all of those modifications in our own internal language that would help us to silence the inner critic, and in turn, instead, amplify the inner coach and call forth our strengths that we know are the elements of our best self experiences, call them forth intentionally. And so I have my clients, for example, do creative visualizations where they close their eyes and they see themselves creating that well-functioning relationship that they'd like to create at work or in their personal life. I see them close their eyes, you know, I have them close their eyes and visualize themselves accomplishing a goal and using their top strengths to accomplish that goal. So that's a big part of bringing forth that inner coach. So I'm closing
0: my eyes right now, Fatima, and I'm envisioning Time for Coffee being the number one podcast out there. And I'm not going to be focusing on Comparanoia and looking at all of the other wonderful podcasts that are out there. And I am going to as soon as I finish our interview, go and get on the Authentic Strengths website. And I am going to find out what my positive psychology strengths are. And I hope all of our Java junkies are going to do the same. And I'm one more thing, Fatima, going to express tremendous gratitude to you. For making time for coffee with me and the Java Junkie community today and for letting this interview go over our allotted time. You are just wonderful. And I can't thank you enough for making time for this today.
1: It was absolutely my pleasure. And I can see your podcast being number one. You go, Andrea. I'm looking forward to listening to it and listening to all the great people that you will have on your podcast. Thank you so much, Fatima.